people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. everybody what's going on this is Nubia and I'm Francis welcome to Chronicles Abroad we have a great show for you today we have Yanchi and Tim Wilson of the Wanderlust Family Life this is a couple that is traveling around with their two daughters and they've been abroad for a few years now not uh, even a full year yet not a full year yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh I'll- Fresh. Traveling around with two young children are how old? Four and seven? Four and seven. Yeah, yeah four That's and seven. That's awesome, at the time. guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, it really is. You don't know how many parents and families, oh, we can't do it because we have kids. So we're really excited to dive deep with you guys and talk about some of those logistics and nuances, you know, the emotions behind traveling as a family. And I think you guys are going to bring a lot of value to those who really want to do it and are just afraid that they can't or feel like they might disrupt their kids' lives or something. Uh, So we're excited to dive in. So let me ask you guys, how did you guys get started on this abroad journey? (laughs) Want to take that? Uh, Yeah, I guess I'll start it. So if anybody knows my wife, she's one of those head down and take charge kind of people. It all started about... October of last year. Yep. After Hurricane Harvey. Yeah. Um, I was an insurance adjuster and I was in Atlanta for about two months working Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Maria cases. The house that we were in got hit really bad and we had mold and all kinds of stuff in there. Her and the girls were in the house while I was gone and she was just getting so fed up. She was, uh, it was extremely stressful. I was away dealing with stuff in the house. They were getting sick all the time. You know, we would talk every day and somehow end up crying every single day. We had been talking about doing this and I'm thinking, okay, maybe, you know, next year we'll start easing into it, blah, blah, blah. Well, she calls me one day and just like, you know what, when you get back, let's just leave. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe it'll blow over. Nah. So (laughs) I got back first week of November. By December 18th, we we were gone. Wow. I get it. I get it. I'm sure Yanchi was like, look, we can't do this no more. So Yanchi, what was going on with you that you were just like, enough is enough. Let's stop talking about it. Let's be about it. Uh, It was a culmination of things. Tim and I had both worked in corporate America. We did all the right things, went to school, got the great job, bought, bought and built the house from the ground up. We had our first house before we were 30 and kids were, you know, my daughter was in a great school at the time. There was just all the great things that were happening in life. But the fact was we weren't happy. We were making six figures together, household income, but I never saw him. I was working all the time, sometimes 80 hours a week, and I wasn't raising my child because she was always either at daycare or with my mom. And we were like, this doesn't make any sense. They told us this is what we're supposed to do, but we're not happy. 
And so after having a mock stroke with my second daughter, I, I was five months pregnant and ended up having a mock stroke. Wow. My whole body just kind of shut down. Mm. And the neurologist was like, you need to change whatever you got going on in your life or the next one's going to be real. And that was like the complete wake up call. So that's when I started going full blown into entrepreneurship. He quit his job to take care of me because after that mock stroke, I was on bed rest for the remainder of the pregnancy. So I couldn't stand up for longer than 10 minutes. It, you know, I could only go to the bathroom really by myself. So he had to literally take care of me. And so after years of that changing and just refiguring out life, our priorities changed, but bills didn't change. Right. Um, we changed. Yeah. <laughs> so changed. yeah, we can relate. To so, <laughs> so we lost the car, we lost the house. I mean, we lost everything. Mm. Um, and then while all the, you know, we went through a bankruptcy and then this is when we ended up in this rental home and finally given up everything. We were like, okay, we're going to start fresh. We end up in this rental home. Hurricane Harvey happened. Mm. And then that rental home gets messed up. I'm like, I'm done. I'm wow. done. I don't care. Like, let's start fresh. And so by the time he came back, I, I mean, we were watching Bucketless Family every single day with me and the girls. I was like, let's just sell everything. Let's give everything else we have away, pack up four suitcases, and we left. Wow. That's great that you've seen an opportunity because most people would go through these things and be like, nothing's going right. What mm -hmm. am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And they would just fall into this depression and right. it would prevent them from moving forward. You did the opposite. Yeah. You were like, you know what? We're going to take this fuel, this energy that we're feeling and really take control of our lives because what I've heard you guys say is that all these things were happening to you guys. And I'm sure it felt kind of like out of control. And it was just yeah. time to take the reins. And that's what you guys yeah. did. And we had the opportunity to kind of rebuild because I didn't start becoming an adjuster until like, what, June of that year? And then by August, I had already started being deployed out. So doing that, I was making a great deal of money. Doing that, being consistent, we could have rebuilt. I could have, you know, got a, either a luxury apartment or eventually got another house yeah. and start all over again. But... I saw the pain. I felt the pain that she had on top of, you know, my the own struggles I was going through as well. So, and I know with her, I'm never going to hit the end of it. So part of it is when she comes at me with things, you know, I, I try to be the grounder, but sometimes I really put my trust in her sometimes. So it's just like, you know what, babe, let's go ahead. Let's do it. That's dope. It's a reason for this. So let's just do it. Yeah. That's beautiful. So let's talk a little bit about that because you just talked about how you gave up your stability, what you felt you could have brought to the table to bring to the family. We could have rebuilt. We could have bought another house. But you, like you said, put your trust in your wife because you understood that, you know what, what's more important is the happiness of your family, yeah. not the mm -hmm. dollar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What did that feel like for you to put your shit yeah. aside? Well, I guess I kind of had a head start because the first time when I first quit my job, it was great for the first, I don't know, maybe a couple months, maybe up to a year. Mm -hmm. I've been working nights for 10 years. So it took me three years to get my regular schedule back to a normal person. For those three years, and I kind of went through a bunch of different emotions, different struggles. I went through a emasculation struggle. I went through a, a depression, just a bunch of internal demons that I had to deal with. Looking at myself, who am I? Who am I without a job? Who am I? You know, after she had Aria, you know, she was, she became, she was really the breadwinner at that point. So I had a lot of things to focus on and a lot of things to, like a, a come to Jesus moment, I guess. And still am, really. Once we got to this point, 
You know, like I told her, a lot of my major decisions were kind of just done. It was like, just do it. I didn't take time to sit here and think about it. You know, a lot of the major decisions in my life, when we got together, I was living in Atlanta for five years. And when we got together, we just decided, I was like, you know what, I'm coming out there. I put my two weeks notice in my job and I didn't have a job lined up uh, in Houston. I just, <laughs> she flew to Atlanta. We packed up whatever we could in my truck and drove back to Houston. That is so, <laughs> so beautiful. You know, no, seriously, because what I'm hearing you say is that you yeah. have faith. And That's you it. And you support yeah. one another yeah. and trust in each other that it's going yeah. to be okay. Whatever the journey is, you're doing yeah. it together. Yeah. And that's all yeah. that matters. And so many people dream of that kind of relationship, not just, you know, romantic relationship, but relationships in their life, period. That you can find somebody yeah. that you can put your trust yeah. in. Especially when she became the breadwinner, the, the biggest thing was because I know my strengths and my weakness. I know I'm not the biggest self-starter. I think most guys are procrastinators, but, you know, <laughs> that's here, neither here nor there. But I know, especially when all of her endeavors and when they came to entrepreneurship and dreams, one of the biggest things is I've always supported her, no matter what it was. Sometimes we'd have a conversation like, you know, I try to poke holes in it just to make sure she was constantly on and making sure that everything, what she was trying to do was solid as it could be. But in the end... I never want to stifle her or anyone in my life. I don't want to ever stifle them from something that they really feel like they should do. Because you don't ever want to go through life and just saying what if to anything. So yeah. if I'm saying what if, it's what if we didn't do this? Right. So what if I didn't leave yeah. uh, and move to Houston? What if I I didn't say, you know what, let's, you're right. Let's go ahead and pack up. Let's just travel the world. Because otherwise, we'd still be in Texas right now. Dealing with America. Yeah, dealing with a lot of the struggles and stuff that we don't realize that we don't have to deal with. Right. That's amazing. So your home base is, as of right now, in Chiang Mai, but where did you travel to first with your so kids? We began our official travel overseas in March, and for my 33rd birthday, we decided to come to Thailand. I wanted to be near the beach. So we ended up in Hua Hin for a month, and we lived, we just lived there, got a villa. And it was the most amazing time we had. We loved it so much, we initially planned to move there. Like, (laughs) we went condo hunting. We found a place near the beach. It was absolutely amazing. But we realized that, okay, we don't want to make such a rash decision. You know, let's keep traveling. And the next place we went to was Malaysia, Johor Bahru. And we took the girls to Legoland. That was the first time going. So that was amazing. Then we ended up in Bali. And my heart is still in Bali. (laughs) I am absolutely in love with Bali. Spent two amazing weeks there and went back to Malaysia, to KL, uh, Kuala Lumpur, for two months. Two months, yeah. Two months. And hung out there, got to see and meet some amazing people, Mm. some other traveling families. And then finally made our way to Chiang Mai. And we came here, realized that there was an actual community of people, other families. And we were like, so why don't we just make this home base and, you know, continue to travel? Because we had been lugging around four suitcases, four backpacks. uh, Everywhere we went. And that got exhausting. (laughs) I'm sure it did. (laughs) So how has it been? Because your children are... Uh, age that they're pretty young so they really do rely on the both of you so you don't really have that time off how has that been (laughs) (laughs) you know we're more than just travel we provide tips resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you so whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change we have something for everyone
It has uh, been, it's interesting because we were, even when I became an entrepreneur uh, living in Texas, what a lot of people don't comprehend is that entrepreneurship is just another way to trade time for money. Your whole life is engulfed in being, building that brand. Mm-hmm. So the time I thought I was going to be able to spend with my kids, I didn't have because I was so busy trying to build and create system, something and systemize and all of these other things. So one of the major things I wanted out of us traveling was us to be able to really spend time with our kids and one another. So we've gotten that tenfold. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't ever leaving each other. Ever. We go, they go, and <laughs> That's a huge adjustment It is because you can't just drop them off at mom's house or your sister's house. That's really it. And I think that concerns a lot of people Mm -hmm. and how, so have you found some resources while living here to sort of, you know, go around that and circumvent some of that stuff? Yes. It's funny because we have more resources here than we did. home. No way. Yeah, we did. We, uh, who was it? Ty that watched them last week, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. But we have more people here that, especially because they're either missing nieces and nephews or the grandkids, you know, we built such a nice relationship with a lot of these people here. And it was kind of difficult to get babysitters back home even still. My mom lives in California. My dad's still in New Orleans. So the only people we had in Texas were, you know, her mom and sister. She was old. My mom was always working. Yeah. So... And everybody is kind of just living a day-to-day struggle. So people don't really offer and you don't really want to bother yeah. anyone with it. You know, here is like, just let me know. I watch the kids. It's like. You sure about that? They're like, there's two of them. <laughs> Where one goes, the other one follows. <laughs> so it's it's been really, really good though. Um, we've only had so far one date night, but I guess we'll have plenty more to come. Yeah. So I have a friend who actually, she moved here from China and she has a four-year-old and she was able to find a babysitter. So she has, um, a Thai lady that comes and speaks English. I don't think fluently, but she speaks really good English. Her son is two Mm -hmm. and her son seems to like her a lot. So I've noticed that when I did my little research for a friend of mine that was in town, there are babysitting services Mm -hmm. in Chiang Mai. And also there's our peers, you know, it's so different where in the States you get a little teenager who makes a little bit of money as a babysitter, but abroad you actually have, people who do nannying as business called yeah, peers. Yeah. So they do have a couple of those here as well. Yeah. So yeah. And there's a, the good thing is there's a ton of activities here for kids. I mean, just free stuff, yes, the museums, the parks are nice, you know, the swimming. And the good thing is that it's affordable. It's not one of those things like where you're in the States, it's like, that's a whole other bill. When you get a kid involved, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you're talking, you know, $300 <laughs> a month. <laughs> Want to go to water country? <laughs> Amusement park? It's a hundred, hundred fifty. You know, we gotta eat. We gotta get yeah. in. Matter of fact, no, we're not. I'm gonna pack some snacks. Yeah, we're gonna make the sandwiches. And get the cooler. <laughs> it's just, it's so different. So the deprivation that we had with trying to build, save, invest, and still live life, we don't have to compromise that here. And as a family, that was super important for us because we didn't. One, we don't want to work forever. Like you know, we we want to invest so that we can eventually live off of the investments. But in the interim, we want to still live life. And so being here allows us to do that as a family with ease. And that was very important for us because the stress levels, all of that, like that was impacting our health in very negative ways. And there's no point in trying to live life like that on a consistent basis. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, well, what do they do? How, because that's one of the biggest questions. All the time. What do you do? How can you make a living? How can you make a living living abroad. So can you give our listeners a little bit about what each of you do? 
Yeah. So I've been in marketing for the last 14 years. Even before we left, I started working online through a site called Upwork, upwork.com. If you have any skill set, administrative assistant, you're an accountant, you can write a few paragraphs, you can find a job on Upwork and there's no limit. And the good thing about it is that it's not really a hustle because people are looking to pay people to do an actual job. It's just a matter of, can you write a decent proposal? And so that has sustained us for the last three and a half years now. So I have some consistent clients. I'll pick up something extra if I need to. It's worked perfectly for us and I don't have to overexert myself because the U.S. dollar compared to the Thai bot is very expansive. <laughs> the U.S. dollar goes a very long way. So it allows me to only work sometimes three to four hours a day if I want to. Yeah. As an insurance adjuster, I had, I was making, like I said, a great deal of money. So we had, we had a little bit saved. And then on top of that, I'm actually finishing my TEFL probably today. Awesome. So, so I'm going to start looking at teaching English as okay. well. Yeah. Which is always, I tell people all the time, that's the way to go if you just want to start. Because you yeah. can make US dollar. You pretty much only have to work two, three hours if you choose to a day. And mm -hmm. it affords you a pretty good living especially here in southeast asia yeah right so you guys right. are definitely doing it well so how have you adapted to becoming expats to live in this expat life i think we've adapted well to it because we became curious we realized yeah. that we needed to unbecome and unlearn everything that we had been taught in america and the biggest thing was bursting the bubble of what people say about people in asia about people of color. Oh, they don't like you overseas. That is, could not be further from the truth. I, we have found such peace, <laughs> such serenity being here. I think the biggest surprise for us was having engagement with law enforcement and them being so kind to our children and just kind of like opening the door for us. We had a police officer help us carry our bags upstairs where they saw we had too many groceries. The engagement has been completely different and unexpected. And to realize that you can have this level of privilege where you thought you were never able to have that level of privilege has been very eye-opening. No, us. it's interesting that you said that because when my friend was here with her four-year-old and we were out in the market and everything else, I'm telling you, the Thai people were doting on her. They mm. wanted to take pictures with her. They were like, oh, she's so cute. They loved her hair. And they love little kids yeah. here. Yeah. They really do. And I just, you know, it's a beautiful thing. In the States, you're worried about, you know, your kids getting shot, you know what right. I mean? Or getting, you know, some sort of trauma happening to your children. And, you know, that doesn't seem to be the case here, from what I've heard from other parents. Yeah. Yeah, they always try to take pictures or mess their, you know, touch their hair and stuff. <laughs> and that was a big culture shock before we got here because yeah. we we had a layover in Shanghai. And Shanghai uh, is a whole different monster. It went from one lady to ten people. Right. Like yeah. we were celebrities, and there was a line to take pictures with us. And I'm like, is this, uh, this is crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. This is crazy. So how so. are the girls adapting? Yeah. Because they no longer have, you know, one thing about Asia is coming from the States, you're extremely far from the States. You're on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. So right. they no longer have a grandma or aunt to go see or cousin or whatever the case may be. How has it been for them adjusting to seeing strangers every day and only mommy and daddy and, you know, this whole new world? How is it for them? They're actually taking it pretty well. We try hard to, even before 
we got here to make sure that they were very diverse in every part of life. And that's the biggest part of this journey as well. You know, it was a little difficult being away from our parents, their cousins, more specifically. So shout out to FaceTime because FaceTime has been a lifesaver in a lot of this (laughs) because they FaceTime my mom every single day, sometimes twice a day. And they'll play with their cousins on the FaceTime. They'll get their Barbies out and they have a full-on play date yep. on FaceTime. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> so, right. So it's, it's been pretty good. So what we try to do is also every day is a constant learning experience. When we go out, when we see different people, when we see temples, when we see just things that are completely different. So wherever we go, none of these things are too much of a shock to them. To them, it's all a part of the entire world. We, we get we try to make sure that they even growing up as much as they might not understand certain things now they're constantly viewing with a bigger scope and not just what we're used to which is just a small looking glass that America is the center of the, the earth yeah. so seeing different people different languages different cultures just understanding so you're not constantly seeing new things and you're pointing like why are they doing this why you know they just look at it and ask us questions and you know we'll talk about it we'll expand your knowledge on a daily basis. If we don't know, we'll find out together. That's you know? awesome. So, so it's like one big learning playground. That's all it is. All so it speaking is. about that, are you guys homeschooling your seven-year-old? Can you talk a little bit about that? Homeschooling was always something we wanted to do, even when we had her in a charter school in Texas. But when we started traveling, we learned about world schooling and how effective that was. And so we have kind of a hybrid model in doing that. So they have a regular online curriculum through a program called Time for Learning. And this gives them all the curriculum for their grade level. So we can hold them back to learn more lessons in a specific grade level if they need to, or they can move ahead as quickly as they want. So for example, our four-year-old, who technically wouldn't even be in school right now because of her age, is almost complete with kindergarten. Wow. She's learning how to read a great deal of words. She knows how to spell. She knows how to write. And this is all at her own pace. So I don't believe in holding children back just because of their age. If they want to go out and expose things, then, you know, we want them to have that freedom so that as they grow and they begin to decide what kind of career they want to get into, they've had the opportunity and exposure to various different things. Because at the end of the day, as we've learned in the hard way, happiness is all that matters. And as long as our kids are happy, first and foremost, then they'll be able to go out and do whatever they want in life with passion, with fever, with, you know, all of these things. And that was the most important thing to me. So we'll be homeschooling them all the way that. through high school. So do you, let me just get your opinion. This is a total opinion mm-hmm. because it's almost like a what if. Do you feel like this was a great age to get them started? You think it would have been more difficult had you tried to leave if they were teenagers? Because they would have probably developed those friendships and been like, I'm not leaving my, you know. What do you think? I definitely think it would have been more difficult. And that's just naturally because we have an attachment to people. You have all of these friends. But let's face it. How many of us have still have friends from the age of 13, 14, 15? We don't. <laughs> like, most of the time, we don't. So if it's still something that we wanted to do, we would have still done it. She'd have been mad. But eventually, she would have gotten right. over it. Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things where your parent makes a decision for your life that really ends up giving you a far larger opportunity than just... I want to stay here because I'm friends with these people. Well, what's that going to mean in 10 years? (laughs) Yeah, that's a brave decision because like I had said earlier, we do have lots of parents who want to make this leap, but they are very concerned about disrupting their child's well-being. And what you guys are showing us is that 
you're not disrupting it, you're enhancing it like tenfold. Yeah, I think the longer you wait, the more there is to disrupt. If you, you wait till your child is in high school, I mean, their lives have pretty much started full-blown. Like, what they, they feel have, like is their lives. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right. Like. You know, but they have so much more going on now. They got opinions. They have friends. They have every year your life is, starts piling on with just stuff that accumulates your life. And so you kind of start having your own... Not only your own opinions, but uh, what, what you I'm to start forming your own identity. Yeah, identity. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, <laughs> the, the point of this to, in, like you said, enhance that. So it's almost like teaching someone a different language. Always better to start yeah. early. Always better to start early. The biggest thing that people always ask us is, oh, you know, what kind of stability are you providing for your kids? And I said, the kind of stability that we're creating. Like, stability is relative. Sure is. That Thank is. you. Say it one more time. <laughs> like this relative. <laughs> dependent on what you find as structure. And for us, structure in life was making our kids happy, making sure they're healthy, you know, making them a contributing member of society and ensuring that they had every opportunity potentially afforded to them. And here in the Asians, and even with us being able to expand into Europe later on, we give them that tenfold. So you really have to sit down and have that conversation about what you value as a family. And yeah. if and are you living by those values, and to see if there's an alignment right. there? Because if there isn't, then something needs to change. And I think people tend exactly. to forget that we forget to recenter ourselves back on those values and what matters the most, and all those things, because we just get so lost and just moving and moving and moving. And like you know, being in Thailand, Thailand will force your ass to sit down, okay, and slow down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's what a lot of us yeah. need. You know, we need that. We need to take a step back. Yeah. We have too many friends with kids. By the time they're in fourth, fifth grade, they're having stress simply because of a standardized test coming up. Anxiety. It's kind of ridiculous when you sit back and think about So a lot of times I have conversations, especially with whether it's my mom or with friends back home. And being here, when you say something out loud, you realize how ridiculous it is. (laughs) So I have, like, I've had conversations with my mom a lot of times it'll be simple things that we so used to doing, whether it's a, a cycle, everyone has this family cycle, it's, you know, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then you teach your kids the exact same thing and they teach their kids the exact same thing. So I would bring up things and it's just like, say that out loud and then think about what you just said. And she'll be like, yeah. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> so especially being out here, it kind of deconstructs you as yes. a person and it makes you like, Really, it kind of gives you a second chance on who you really think you are, who you want to be, who, you know, anything. You just, it really helps you evaluate your life yes. and life itself, I think. I've had so many times, so many days, we actually have conversations every single morning that I thought about recording. Just constant conversation and growth every single day. We've got more in the last six months than we probably have in the last three years. Yeah, and we talk about that all the time of what traveling does to you. And like you used the perfect word, Timothy, like it deconstructs you. It peels mm-hmm. you away, like all the layers and you are forced to kind of have to go through that experience. When you're living in the States, you don't really have to do that. You can kind of fly under the right. radar, you know, you kind of blend in and all that stuff, but you can't do that abroad. You really can't. So let me ask you, you built, so the Wanderlust Family Life blog, which is a beautiful blog, by the way. (laughs) It's so informative. It has like so many tidbits. Can you tell us a little bit about your family travel blog? So (laughs) as part of marketing, I 
taught myself how to build websites and blogs. And that was just kind of one of the things I was like, let's, let's go ahead and do this because we get asked a great deal of questions from a lot of people that way we can just redirect people to these questions. And then over time we realized that despite seeing families like the bucket list family and other people, what people wanted was like the real deal. Like what does it really cost to live in this place? How do you deal with allergies? Like our daughter has uh, peanut allergies, uh, nut allergies. So how do you deal with that, especially yeah. in Asia? And so there's all of these little things that I, you know, posts I still need to write, <laughs> yeah. but it's exhausting. Girl, keeping it is. <laughs> Tell us about it. Okay. It is. But this is why we do this podcast because it's easy to get that the audio. Yeah. I don't want to say it's not easy, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you can pull it, you can it's churn easy. it out quicker, it's you know, just do a quick video, you know, and then post yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same. And exactly. what she said was right. I mean, the website's great, tons of great information. It's very valuable, especially when you have the transparency. You know, I think that's what people are lacking or missing. And, you know, one of the things that I've always said is when I did my research prior to going abroad, I didn't see people that look like me. There were a lot of depictions of millennials who graduated university and now they're traveling abroad, they're backpacking or they're doing this and they're doing that. But I didn't see what I would consider adults, seasoned adults, either empty nesters mm-hmm. or family or professional individuals really showing what their life was or is like abroad. So right. I would just say thank you on right. behalf of everybody listening. Seriously. Because it's something that really needs to be done. Yeah, no, it does. And, and that was another thing for us, too, is all the blogs that we saw, all the research that we've done, it took us a, a little bit to realize that a lot of people weren't families. It was always how to do this, how to do that, what you need to do here, what you need to do here. But it's only one person or a couple. couple. No one has these things if you have a family, if, whether it's three or four or more. So a lot of the videos that we saw, a lot of the, the blueprints that we we started to follow, we realized that we're different. We we don't have, it's just like, don't tell me how to live in Thailand under $500 and it's just you. It's not going to work. I mean, under, yeah. <laughs> that's not going to work. You know, <laughs> how I only need 600 baht a month in Thailand. It's like, okay, that's great. But I can spend 600 baht <laughs> at a, right now. Right now. It, it is, right. So so that was another thing we realized that, you know, we can actually make something of this because there aren't many families who who aren't traveling. There's very few that we've met while we were here. Yeah. So anytime that we can find someone with a family that has kids anywhere near our kids age, we uh, we definitely try to engage and connect with those people because it's a whole new world when you're dealing with families traveling. traveling yeah. You know, Instagram is loaded yeah. with people who travel, who luxury travel, which is great and all. That's fine. But full time traveling families. Yeah. But full time traveling families is rare. It's hard to find. I love that. Especially of color. Yeah. You guys are like <laughs> creating these a new story, this new narrative, this new thing that people really are looking to see. You're feeling a need at this point. I don't think it's new. I just don't think that people don't speak about it. They don't necessarily like there's a woman that reached out to us and she's in, I think she's in Manila and she's there mm-hmm. with her kids and this and the other, but she doesn't have a blog. She doesn't have these things. That's and she's right. been yeah. in Manila for like seven years. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean? That makes sense. So, you know, I think people have been doing it for a number of time, yeah. but just 
don't share their stories yeah. globally. Yeah. 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 So we'd love to be <laughs> We have more content to put on the blog. We've been behind ever trying to get this Join the club. visa because oh this visa was Pain. it was not that bad. It could have been worse, but it was just especially because it was our first time and we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. So it took like a couple of weeks, two weeks or so. We were already behind before that. So <laughs> we still have tons of information and tons of uh videos to put up. We have videos from <laughs> the other uh, country. So <laughs> you guys are on an educational visa right, right. now. Right. Correct. Right. Awesome. Which we talked about visas in our video. Yeah. But let's talk about I know you had mentioned in some of your posts that you have hypothyroid, which is an autoimmune. I had hyper. So just living abroad and having a condition that definitely has its ebbs and flows, right? I don't know if you're on medication for yours, but I'm on medication for mine. And I made a post one time about how inexpensive the medication is here and it's more accessible. How are you managing your hypothyroid while you're abroad? So here's the interesting thing. When I was in the States, I had a doctor without testing, take a look at my thyroid and told me, you know, you probably definitely have a thyroid issue. It's probably hypothyroidism. That was after having my daughter. In Malaysia was where I got a little bit more of a testing. They took a look at my blood, just a drop of it, not the actual hormonal level. Looked at my thyroid again and said, you probably definitely have hypothyroidism. So that's two doctors. I came here to Thailand, finally got the blood test done, saw a legitimate doctor, again, just like the other two places, at Bangkok Hospital. And she said, your hormone levels are fine. I don't know what these other doctors are telling you, but your hormone levels are okay. They're slight, you know, slightly low. She said, but you're just deficient in a few vitamins. Started taking those vitamins and slowly but surely started healing. Like I finally started losing weight the way I was supposed to, finally absorbing nutrients the way I was supposed to. So little by little, those things are being corrected. And I love it because here in Thailand specifically, the doctors are not quick to put you on some type of chemical. They're going to find the underlying problem mm -hmm. that is health, you know, is an issue. And they're going to focus on diet first. Perhaps it's not lack of sleep, perhaps it's, you know, whatever this, those things are. And then once they've eliminated those natural issues, then they will look to medication and even in small amounts. So honestly, I was floored for about a week. I said, I thought for the last five years I had hypothyroidism. It's crazy. This whole time. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> I mean, you know, because medical tourism is a thing. But oh, no. like you said, and, you know, I stress this to people, Thailand is really good for a holistic spiritual health mm -hmm. in the sense of they ask you what does your day-to-day -day look like because mm -hmm. it could be something as simple as you're going to bed too late you're eating at the wrong times of the day mm -hmm. you're eating the wrong things changing those pieces of your life can make a tremendous difference yep. in right. the way you feel and in your overall health so you mean, uh -huh. they, you mean they ask you questions first and kind of like get to know you? Right. Get out. Right. Get out. <laughs> Who would have ever right. thought? Oh, my Who God. Who ever thought? Yeah. And then just simply being able to go to the pharmacy and get like, I got like pharmaceutical grade vitamins, B12, vitamin D. They were like, oh, what do you need? They took it out. The, I was like, this, I would usually need a prescription yeah. for this. They make it super Hand easy. Hand it over less than like. 500 bucks. Yeah. Not even that. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, what you need, I got it. Right. right. Just straight, just pull out the box and how many you need. I'm right. like, okay. That's how we rolling. So tell us, what's next for you guys? Are you, I know that you're settled now, but are you thinking about going? You had briefly mentioned that you're thinking maybe Europe. You spent some time there. So what's next? What's the next adventure for the Wilson family? Well, we've got 
quite a bit of plans. Next year, we're going to kind of travel China, Japan, and going back to the States for a quick little trip for the holidays. And the year after, we're planning our official Europe tour, kind of exploring that because we kind of want to start looking for an official home. We decided recently we wanted to settle down in Europe, especially once the girls get older, to give them more opportunities. We're raising them for the world. As much as we love them and they're our babies, we are raising our children to go out into the world. So finding friends, finding suitors specifically, I think Europe provides a more broad opportunity for them. That's, Tim is like... <laughs> Tim is like... About it, but he knows it's true. We'll talk later. <laughs> Not yeah i mean but right now it makes sense asia is financially it's so spot. easy yeah. to yeah. acclimate in yeah. chiang mai specifically i can't say about any yes. other parts of asia i know yanchi you mentioned how you love bali i had a different experience i yeah. really do enjoy chiang mai's energy it's so chill. Yes. Yeah. The energy here is, is intoxicating. <laughs> it's very yeah. addictive to be Hella here. chill. And affordable. So you really can't beat that. I think a good year here in Asia is a good amount of time to really allow yourself to really learn about yourself. Like the self-discovery, you know, mm-hmm. trying to build your business or your brand, uh, work on your emotional and physical health, and move on. It's almost yeah. like a stepping stone. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's definitely great. If any family is thinking of trying to see what life is like abroad in the Asia's, I think Chiang Mai is the ideal place. Just you know that you'll have a sense of community here. You know, especially if your kids are younger, there's various activities for you to do here. And it gives you a good place to just, like you said, just reset. You're not worried about, you know, okay, I can only afford my house and groceries. Like we can't do anything else. (laughs) Chiang Mai gives you the opportunity to live life. And that's so. So what do you think? you know holds families back from they want to do this but what's like the number one thing that kind of holds them back from doing it that all the time yeah Yeah. (laughs) man it's hard to pinpoint just one to be honest with you because it works collectively one of the biggest things obviously I, i believe is mindset when especially coming from america and and being black in america you definitely have a mindset that is not conducive to leaving wherever you're from. I'm from New Orleans and a lot of the people that I grew up with never went past Baton Rouge, which is like 45 minutes away. So the only reason why some of them moved to Texas is because of Hurricane Katrina. It's a mindset of being close to what's comfortable. Comfortability is a killer for a lot of people when it comes to dreams, when it comes to aspirations, when it comes to progression, growth, comfortability. You always try to find comfort in anything. Even if it's something bad, you try to find the comfort in it to ease the pain and then, you know, keep living through it. So mindset, comfortability, what else? Fear. Oh, yeah. Fear, fear plays a big <laughs> Yeah, fear is the number this one. This is the biggest yeah. thing. You have your families. I can't tell you, how, as soon as I told my mom we were going to go to Thailand the first place, she had found, I swear, every day she had found something wrong that had happened in Thailand where there was kidnapping. She thought we were going to live in a hut. Like, <laughs> True. it was just so Mom, both of our moms, both of our moms. Thing. and so naturally the hardest thing is like, oh, I don't want to leave my family, but you have to look at big picture. We have a problem with many people in the minority community because I'm come from a Latina family. We have a problem with looking at big picture and saying, okay, yes, we have all done this. We've all been here and yes, we all love each other, but we haven't gotten that much further ahead. 
We've all done the same thing. We've all followed the same rule book. So when is someone going to do something rebellious to like get us to that place that we keep dreaming and talking about? And Tim knows this about me. I despise consistent thought process and talk without action. I, I can't stand it. It's a lack of inadequacy that people in mediocrity that people have adapted as action. And they've convinced themselves that they're taking action simply by thinking bigger. That means nothing (laughs) without actually doing something bigger. And it's in the doing where the fear comes in because you don't want to be criticized. You don't want to be ostracized. You don't want to be the black sheep because you are afraid of receiving that label or potentially being the person that your family feels like, oh, you left us or you think you better than us or whatever the thing is. You don't go out to try to do that something great or ridiculous or random because you're comfortable. Yeah, and I mean, I think about a lot of it has to do with not knowing. So having people like yourselves talk about your story, someone is going to listen to this and say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that I really could do it. Because I think that even for me, when I wanted to move abroad, it was always, I got to wait for the kids to get older. I think mm-hmm. that's the first thing we put in our mind is we got to get the kids off to college. You got to get them off first and then I can live my life. But in hindsight, had I known now what then, is that how it goes? I never get that right. (laughs) How how, can someone tell us how it goes? If I knew. Had I known then, what I know now. Oh, there we go. I would have packed my family up in a Same here. I would have done it sooner. It would have saved me so much time, money, headache, depression, all of it, all of it. It would have saved me so much just turmoil and drama. Yeah. And I would have been out here living the world and my kids would have been cultured and worldly and they would have known through experience because the sad thing is I heard what you guys just said about like your moms thinking this way. It's unfortunate as Americans, sometimes we are so ignorant to how others live outside of America using terms like third world country where they think that we're walking over starving children or something. And that's so far from the truth. So I appreciate you guys for telling your stories because you're helping to change the narrative, which is so important. No, for sure. You're welcome. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So I'm going to leave with this. I'm going to ask you guys one question. If you were talking directly to a family, a mother, single mom, family married, doesn't matter, single dad, what would be your key word of advice to them? Why is that so tough? I know, right? I think because you want to find the perfect thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) You want want to be like, like, (laughs) one piece of advice. (laughs) I I can try one. It might sound cliche, but be okay with being uncomfortable. When you're okay with being uncomfortable, then you release a lot of the hold that fear has on you. You release a lot of the hold that the unknown has on you. Being okay with being uncomfortable in life can make you a dangerous person to a lot of people because you won't be held 
to the status quo, bogus standards. You won't be held to toxic relationships. You won't be held to a certain narrative. You release yourself from a lot of those things and you'll be able to say, just get up and say, you know what? I'm going to move to Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because when I asked you guys the question, the first thing that came to my mind that resonated with you guys was take the risk, trust mm-hmm. the process. Because I feel like that's the yeah. motto it of is. your life. <laughs> it, it really is. We had a lot of fear of judgment throughout our relationship. That's a different topic, but that's how our marriage is successful as it is right now is because we kept a lot of people out of our business. Of our we business. dealt with our issues, our marriage together, which forces us to communicate to each other. But I forgot where I was going with that already. <laughs> uh, I love that, though. Right there, that was a, a little key of advice. But, um, communicate true. with one another. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like, well, what are you doing? So if we moved to Thailand for a year. We failed miserably. We came back home. Well, we went to Thailand. What did, what did you do? You sat on social media and talked about everybody else. Have you been 15 miles outside of your house? So we failed and we're going to do it again. And you just keep talking about us. I love that yeah, you said until that. Until we succeed and then you realize you've been doing the same thing for the last 15 years. I love that you said that. because <laughs> So Brené Brown, is a, she's a social worker. She does a lot of work on vulnerability. And she has this book called Brave in the Wilderness. And one of the things that she struggled with is inner critic and all this other stuff and people judging her. And so she had said, if you're mm-hmm. not in the arena, can't really say anything to me at this time. Like, if you're right. not in this game, I can't even right. hear you. And I think we need to right. adopt that mentality more often yeah. than not, because you really don't have anything to say to me if, if you haven't taken those risks, if you haven't right. failed, if you haven't learned from those types of mistakes. I can't hear you. That's right. Well, regardless what anybody says, anybody thinks, it has been a pleasure speaking with you two. Yes. I can honestly say that it's been a pleasure physically meeting you guys and the girls. I just look forward to seeing what's next. Yeah, the journey. Because it's almost going to be like you watch the girls grow up. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that right there in itself. And they have an Instagram page as well. Yeah, that's I think so that in cute. itself yeah. is going to be just dope. So I wish you all the best. Yes, and thank you so much for being on the show. And, and we will be watching. Thank you for having me. <laughs> sure, we'll be watching you guys. Thank and we'll for sure do a, hey, what are you guys doing now? Where's the Where Wilson family? Where are they now? Those family. <laughs> so, right. Wilson family, where can people find you guys? Wonderlustfamilylife.com is our blog. And on social media, we are Wanderlust Family Life on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.